But first she must know the science behind the show, she says. How do lesbians have sex? She asked me, how do lesbians have sex? She understood how two guys do, but how do lesbians have sex? Hey everyone, welcome back to Sapphic Swingers, episode number five. Oh, I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rachel. And wow, honey, we've hit a milestone. <laughs> We're at 50. This is kind of huge. It is not too shabby. So let's make this just a really depressing episode. What do you say? <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> in honor of the big five oh. So what's been going on in our world? Oh, speaking of depressing, we bumped our cruise for 2020 into uh, 2022 because we're already booked for 21. Uh, because all the shit that's going on with COVID and everything, uh, we feel like if it does sail, it'll be very limited. Yeah, from what we were reading on the forums, it sounds like masks might be required. They'll still sail with maybe 20% capacity, but you would have to wear a mask and yeah. tables of two, and that does not sound very swinger-esque. No, no. So luckily we uh, we were able to move it without any extra fines or fees, so we, uh, we moved that over to 2022. So sadly, we have nothing on the books for this entire year. And that makes us very depressed. So let's carry on with the depressed episode. And uh, in that in that same note, uh, PCAP was actually had to be canceled or postponed. Uh, they're going to do uh, 2021. They'll be doing uh, East Coast and West Coast, as far as I know. Uh, I'm not sure if dates... I believe it's in May um, that they will be doing the event at Miami again. Okay. Well, for the first time. <laughs> Rachel's a much better reader than I am. So it looks like May 2021 in Miami. Uh, it's, again, it's for the best uh, for everyone's health and... Uh, well-being that things get postponed it's it's depressing but you know it's it's the new normal right now and it sucks and we hope everyone out there is staying safe and uh keeping healthy well so while we've been super depressed with canceling all of our scheduled travels we did connect with some of our friends recently we had an outside hang with the lovely folks at uh swing fashions Mm -hmm. and that was fabulous i think that that was the most normal that i felt through this whole quarantine Pandemic, yeah it's yeah. uh yeah we were totally distanced we didn't hug we didn't do anything uh just so great to see them they're they're two amazing people and if you haven't checked out their awesome comic strip it's uh, swing fashions on twitter and i'm sure the other social media that's the only one i pretty much go on that and maybe facebook but they are awesome people and it, it felt so great to hang out with them for for many hours uh, we miss them and love them very much Absolutely. along with everybody else we miss the club we miss trapeze Oh, we miss so much about everything. <laughs> <laughs> we missed lifestyle. I mean, that's kind of been what has been super on hold during this pandemic. I mean, any kind of social distance does not really uh, jive with the lifestyle activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just life, you know. It's, it sucks not to be able to hug your mom or, you know, right. anyone. Yeah, we see her once a week, and we have not hugged her since oh, March. I haven't hugged anybody. <laughs> Maybe next weekend. Just Marley, my monkey. Yes, we uh, might have a meet-up with uh, some other fine folks that have been really good about social distancing. So, Well, the casual swingers. Yeah, the casual swingers. <laughs> <laughs> We're venturing north up to their place. Yep, it's in Alaska. It's a long, <laughs> long drive. <laughs> yeah, so our plan right now is to meet up with them. Uh, it's the beginning of August, so hopefully that, uh, that all pans out because we are just hurting bad for, for some human contact. Of any kind, just a bear hug. I want a giant bear hug from Mickey for about 35 minutes. That'd be perfect. I, I'm assuming that I could find something to do with Mallory in that time. Mm. <laughs> You're right. What I meant was three to five seconds of a bear <laughs> hug from Mickey. And then I'll be moving on. <laughs> uh, three to five orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> if 
feeling three to five is going to be quite the number next weekend. Mm. Don't know why. We'll let you know, though. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we've definitely been missing the club, missing all of our friends. But one of the things that has kept us a little sane is being able to connect with people virtually. Yes. And... We are happy to let you know this podcast is sponsored by the fine folks at altplayground.net, which is a cool site where you can meet like-minded lifestyle folk. Yeah, and it's that's one thing that's kind of kept us sane, is that we can still at least go on, you know, website and, and chat with people. And they had a big national rollout June 1st, um, this lovely 2020. <laughs> and luckily, despite all the craziness, they're seeing, you know, record numbers of sexy people eager to connect. Uh, they got a lot of cool features, which is great because, you know, like we said, we're not actually meeting people face to face, but you can still go on there and go on the forums or communities. Um, and there's video chatting, which we all know is has been exploding, kind of like my wife does on a vibrator. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I do explode quite often. <laughs> Um, I, I heard you mention the forums. One cool thing about the forums is it, it actually has interactive questions and topics varying from newbie info to lifestyle clubs or parties. And if you don't see a topic that you like on there, you can go ahead and start your own topic. Like, what are our worms doing in the compost bucket? Yes. Why? What are our worms doing? Do they sleep? Do worms have teeth? I need to know these kind of things. I got to post this on the forum because I need to know about vermicomposting. Somebody's got to know. They certainly like it when I give them espresso in the morning. <laughs> yes, we do have a worm farm going on. <laughs> no, we will not start that forum on Alt Playground. <laughs> yeah, so jump on over to altplayground.net. Check it out. Now, let's get serious, Rachel. Put your serious mask on for five minutes, because that's all I got. Okay. All right. Fine. We'll do it for longer. Well, it is COVID, so I guess masks are required. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a podcast mask. (laughs) That's sad. Wait, I thought we're taking our mask off. We're we're exposing ourselves a little bit in this episode. uh, Well, you're already naked, so I don't know how much more we're going to expose. Oh, we're going to expose our souls on this one, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, based on the title, you might have guessed, we are going to be a little more serious. You know, it's natural for me to joke around with stuff. It's a diversion tactic that I use. It's not healthy. It's not good, but it's something I do. Just like about 12 seconds ago when I was joking with Rachel about unmasking. It's just, uh, you know, lots of stuff that's happened that I kind of use as defense mechanism. Uh, But we're going to try and get a little more serious here. We're going to talk about, you know, sexual abuse and some emotional abuse. And just on the outset, let us just say that we wholeheartedly believe that sexuality isn't based on something that happened to you. We think it's who you are. Um, When you get into a debate about nature versus nurture and sexuality, I think that entertains a lot of negative thoughts where you can convert someone from uh, from gay to straight. It brings on like conversion therapy or praying the gay away and just all these really unhealthy things that can happen. So we just wanna say on the outset, you know, just kind of lay down a few things before we get started. The other thing I wanted to throw out there is, obviously, this is going to be a deeper episode, but we are by no means therapists. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. <laughs> and anything we say should certainly not be taken for in therapeutic <laughs> terms. Oh, no, nothing we ever say should be. I, I wouldn't even count it as advice. I'm just kind of silly things that two drunk women are talking about. <laughs> no, we do hope that if, if you get something out of it, it's, you know, something positive about, you know, working through things and surviving things and... And, you know, trying to, to make yourself better. Uh, it's just, I honestly, I, I, I've been thinking about this episode for a long time. And I felt like we had to do it, but I still struggle with why we should do it. Like, why do we want to talk about, like, my least favorite thing in the entire world? And something I 
despise and hate had happened to me and to you. Um, so I was really stuck on that about why we want to do this. I think part of the reason why is when we heard Jay from Average Swingers break down and talk about his his emotional response to the Robocock and all that, <laughs> we thought, wow, Jay is Jay is such such a jokester and <laughs> he's just, he's just really being serious. And you know what? We need to be a little more open. I think you're right because me and Jay, like getting to know them more, I feel like we have a lot in common. Yeah. With stuff like you know we'll joke around a lot but you know sometimes deep down like we're we're really hurting but we don't always let that out like he's so forward about so much stuff but when he broke down on that episode i was crying like we were listening to it and i was like oh my god <laughs> like and i think that's important to show a different side of us you know we, we talk about a lot of intimate details about our relationship and fun sexy times we have and of course for everyone it's not all you know rainbows and orgasms and you're right that is a good reason why i'm you know, I think maybe it's a little, it'll be therapeutic for us, but it's also, it's really hard. You know, it's something that's really hard to talk about. I feel like I'd like to share with everyone. Well, I don't know. I think as we talk through it, we'll, we'll, I think my, my why will become a little more clear, but I think you're right. It's good to, to bear our souls a little bit. Well, and then also these experiences that we've both had have impacted our relationship mm-hmm. and it's also impacted our friendships and lifestyle interactions we have i mean whenever whenever we play we always tell men hey we only play with the lovely ladies and so if they don't listen yes not only have we been disrespected but it also bring, it well, also it, tri- back, it also yeah. triggers other mm-hmm. other things from from our experiences yeah it's a, from, it's a, it's a big trigger because yeah. when when you've been abused you don't have control of your body and you know what's that's such a frustrating thing to feel like like no like someone else has you know physical or emotional control over you and that is so debilitating for so many reasons and when someone else touches you in a way that you don't want to be touched not like you know rachel's finger me and i don't want to be fingered that's fine (laughs) sometimes a finger gets in there it's fine uh but seriously uh it's very it's a very big trigger it it brings me back to a point in my life where for years i couldn't have control over your own body. And you don't understand what that, I mean, a lot of you will actually, because, you know, sexual abuse, uh, more amongst women, but definitely among men too, it happens. And it happens all the time. And it's so unreported for the guys. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry it happened to anyone. Uh, But I did want to throw something out real quick. Um, For those of you who might need to reach out, there's a 24 seven helpline. And it's RAIN, R-A-I-N-N.org, which is Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network. And their phone number is 1-800-656-HOPE, H-O-P-E. So if anyone needs to reach out anonymously, um, it's a good resource. We're here for you if you need to talk. Again, we are not therapists at all. Never will be. I need one. I use one. Nothing wrong with that. We all need help at some point. But we're just going to, you know, we're going we're gonna to be honest and, and chat with you all about something. If, you know, maybe we all get something out of it. Maybe you, you delete us from your favorites. That's cool. We get it. But just because some abuse or experience have happened doesn't mean that we don't smile or laugh and have fun. I mean, we, we love, we love each other. We love our life. We love the lifestyle, but this is shit that happened and it's baggage that we carry with us Mm -hmm. and it impacts how we, how we respond in situations. It it impacts every second of my life pretty much. Sadly, I'm, I'm sad that he has that control over me still, but 
you know, I will say I'm happier than I ever, I've ever been uh, with Rachel, of course. I hope so. Well, yeah, you're okay. <laughs> I was mostly talking about my uh, our lifestyle friends. <laughs> no, absolutely. Rachel's made me happier than I could ever have hoped to have been. And I never thought I could find that love because I was so confused about what love meant by someone. So we're going to, you know, we'll get into more details about what was going on. Just, you know, don't judge. You don't know what's going on with someone. You know, they, you know, laughing on the outside. Sometimes they're the ones crying the hardest on the inside. And, you know, maybe we'll open up some eyes. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see what happens. Um, but we figured it's time to talk. So does that mean I go first? Oh God. Yeah. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going to go near his bar and not sit next to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as you guessed with the hashtag us too, we both have been victims of sexual assault, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and in, in some mm-hmm. form or fashion. I will quickly talk a little bit about um, an event that happened. Um, I was nearly the victim of sexual assault when I lived in Chicago. This was a night I'd been out at a dance club with my girlfriends, and there was this guy I, I had talked with. He seemed so nice. I danced with him. And as we were getting ready to leave, I realized that my jacket had been stolen. And it was a cold fucking night in Chicago. And even though I lived in Chicago for a few years, I'm still very much a Florida girl at heart and do not do cold weather very well. So the guy, uh, like I said, he seemed super nice. He, he tried to help me find my coat. And, and then he offered to drive me home. And mm-hmm. being that it was super cold outside, I was like, all right, yeah, that beats having to walk a mile and a half home. Do you think he stole your coat? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I think I would have seen it if he, if he had uh, stolen it. Okay. But so anyways, I took him up on his offer and um, got in his car and he drove a street over from my apartment and he like pulled over to the curb and I told him, hey, I said, this is this is perfect. I'll just hop out. It was at this point that he locked the doors and said the night wasn't over and mm-hmm. he reached over and like gra- grabbed my arm and started trying to grab me. And in this moment, like I'm telling you, it was like the fight or flight response just totally took over. And thank goodness he didn't have a gun, a knife. I was able to free my hand from him mm-hmm. and able to get the door open. And then I actually used my foot to kick it open. Mm-hmm. And I, I struggled away from him and I just fucking took off. I, I didn't even look over my shoulder. I just fucking sprinted. And I remember I was wearing a skirt and, and like knee high boots. And I have, I never knew I could run so fucking fast in boots. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you, I'm telling you, I was like a gazelle get, getting to my apartment and mm. it was traumatic. Obviously I didn't get sexually assaulted, but I got assaulted in that moment. Well, it seems like he probably would have tried to do something. Yes. The way he was- I ha- my mind has gone every which way what mm-hmm. could have happened had I not gotten away mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah, I couldn't sleep for a few nights. And yeah, thankfully I was able to get away with just kind of some arm bruising. But that experience absolutely made me fearful and mistrustful of people's intentions in certain mm-hmm. situations. As I said, he seemed very nice. He was he was going to give me a ride home. Right. And then it turned. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of like being in the Army. Like, you always have a battle buddy, so you always have somebody with you, just in case. But like in normal civilian situations, you just don't think sometimes that it's necessary. Um, and, you know, again, he seemed like a perfectly cool guy. What an asshole. Did, was, there, was there anyone you talked to about that afterwards? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Who did you talk to? Friends. Okay. Actually, one of my friends that also at that same club had been drugged. I think you told me about that. Yeah. I don't think I followed up a ton about that, that one night because we, we really haven't talked about that much, you and I. So 
Yeah, she was one, didn't she, like, um, she couldn't walk or something? Yeah, some guy slipped, I guess it's the date rape drug, into her drink. And she, thank goodness she was with friends, and we Mm -hmm. realized that something wasn't right with her. Mm -hmm. Because who knows, who knows what would have happened had, had she gone away with that guy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I'd ever seen somebody getting drugged. And Mm. seeing how legitimately her mind was fully functional but mm. yet she could not move her body that's terrifying and there, there was two other girls with me she was looking at us and she's like mm. there's all these beautiful girls and i can't even <laughs> i can't even do anything and she started laughing and it was it was kind of like a, a sad reality check like wow wow you're so mentally mentally okay there mm-hmm. but your, your body is paralyzed Ugh. Wow. Well, she was right about the beautiful girls if she was looking at you. <laughs> oh, thank you, darling. God, that's, that's, yeah, that's terrible. So I, um, I had a very different, terrible experience. Uh, so, you know, there's known abusers and there's unknown stranger abuse that happens. You know, you had more of a, you know, stranger abuse. Uh, mm-hmm. Mine was someone who was in the family, but not like a direct bloodline, you know, brother, father, all that stuff, uncle. And it was crazy. I literally just told Rachel who the person was like less than a year ago, I think. Um, yes. There was something that happened that that made me feel okay to tell her, not that I didn't trust her. It was that sadly, we still saw him. He was still- At uh, every family gathering. Yes, yes. So I think that was part of the hesitation of me not telling her. Because uh, you know that I would, I would not have been okay. <laughs> I would not have been able to be civil with him had I known any of this. And, you know, y'all might be listening thinking, why the hell would you still be in the presence of someone who has harmed you or abused you in any form or fashion? And I wouldn't totally disagree with you. It's, there's a lot of more underlying factors that, that, that come into play. It, it's like if, you know, if a stranger comes up to you uh, or someone who you barely know, like what happened to Rachel, and they grab you. And they say, uh, you know, you're going to stay with me. You're going to be with me. I'm going to have you or whatever they want to say to you or they try and abuse you or rape you. You're going to resist and you're going to fight as hard as you can and you're going to do your best to get away and you're going to report them to the police, right? On the other hand, if there's someone that's been in your life for years that you admire, that you trusted, that the family trusted, uh, someone that knew you were vulnerable, um, that they groomed you, it's a very different story. Absolutely. If, If it happens in one, you know, one minute, Things are different than if it happens over five years, right? And if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, good. I'm glad. But it's something that, you know, I met him when I was 10 years old and he was 18. And he was very confident and well-liked. And I wanted to be like him and I wanted to hang out with him. I wanted to learn, you know, how to play sports from him. And I wanted to... You admired him. Of course I did. Yeah, he was great. He was very confident. Really cool guy. Everyone loved him. And I'm like, this guy's awesome. And it wasn't like things happened immediately. It was very gradual, like I said. And he knew I was very introverted. I didn't really hang out with people my age. Um, I would just, you know, go to school, play sports, come home, do my homework. Total nerd. I was fine with it. I was happy. Play video games, of course, because video <laughs> games are awesome. And he knew I didn't have good communication with my family, so I'd be less likely to tell anyone. And so I was kind of like the perfect target for someone who was trying to abuse someone. And when I was around 14, uh, that's when things started to get kind of bad. He... Um, he would joke about things like, oh, do you, do you have pubic hair yet? Like say something like kind of pervy, but benign a little bit. Not like show me your pubic hair. He's like, oh, why don't you go cut off your longest pubic hair and tape it on here and let, let's see who has a longer one. And for me, I'm just like, oh, he's a jokester. This is just a funny thing. Like, okay, let's do that. Never entrusted him, never loved him. 
And then he kept escalating, right? So the next was like, I was eating a Jolly Rancher. I'll never forget the green apple Jolly Rancher. And he's like, I was like, oh, I don't like this. It tastes gross. He goes, oh, give it to me. So I went to take it out of my mouth. And he's like, oh, no, 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 just pass it to my mouth. He's like, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. So I was like, oh, okay. So I passed it, you know, I was like, I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. And we were working together at the time. But then it just kept progressing. And like, and he knew that I had nobody in my life that I could confide in. And he was so charismatic and he paid attention to me. And I was like, and I didn't have any romantic feelings at all towards him. I just, I thought I had like a best friend. He was older, yes. But I was like, this is great. I have someone who's really cool that everyone likes. And here's little, you know, shy Tiff. And he wants to hang out with me. I'm like, this is awesome. And then we were hanging out. Um, it was a summer day and he, um, he wasn't working at that time. And we were at his house and he said, hey, I'm gonna go out for a bit. And he said, listen, I'm, you know, if you're interested, there's a, a VHS with some, you know, a cool porno on it. And he's like, if you wanna, you know, check it out. And I was 14 and curious and horny. I've been masturbating for years, but I'm like, I hadn't really seen like a real porn. So of course I put it in. Uh, and like two minutes later, he opens the door and I'm like sitting there touching myself and I was mortified. And he came in, he's like, oh, don't worry, it's normal. Do you wanna talk about anything? And I was so embarrassed. And looking back, I'm pretty, I'm probably like 99% sure he never even left the apartment. Because uh -uh. I waited for him to close the door. And I heard the door close and I was like, all right, first thing I did was find the porno. Do you think he had cameras on you somewhere? No, no, no back then it was, it was, I don't know, 90, 91, 92. I don't, if, if he did, it wasn't live cameras like Ring or Arlo or any of those. But I'm pretty positive. He knew what I was going to do. Right. He told me he was leaving, closed the door, told me where the porno was. And so he came and sat down next to me and he's like, oh, it's okay. You know, is there anything you want to talk about? And then he starts, you know, he puts his arm around me and then he starts touching my arm and he starts touching my stomach and lifting my shirt. And I'm like, you know, you talk about f fight or uh, flight. Fight or flight, yeah. And I'm like, well, at this point it's fight, flight or fright. I was just petrified. Like I couldn't move. Like I was just. I didn't know what to do. And there's lots of extra, you know, extra circumstances I can't get into, but just understand there's a lot of reasons why I couldn't go to anyone. And he knew that, which made it extra, like really fucking difficult. And it just, it kept going from there. And he would, you know, creep in my bedroom and make me touch him and kiss him and, and, and like make me say, I love you. And he was very, very controlling. Like he paid, you know, way back when he paid for a beeper and like, he'd make, you know, he'd page me. And if I didn't respond within like, you know, five minutes, he'd like, page me 911 like and we have like our little secret codes which I fucking hated <laughs> but it just he controlled every bit of my life and I, I I had nothing I no one I could go to and it was it just led to just some really really bad stuff and I feel like I one of the worst things was having to make maybe say I love him when I totally didn't like that that was one of the hardest things I'm like somebody you hate somebody who's hurting you and abusing you and you have to and he like pretty much made me tell him I loved him and was he threatening you or, or no just like he would he would say stuff like when i would like i'd be you know bawling being like this isn't right this is right i don't like this i don't want to do this he's like what do you want me to do you want me to kill myself so it was like very like making himself the victim mm -hmm. which is really fucked up um so if he killed himself then everyone would be like why did he do that why did he do that and like like and then i would have to live with the fact that he killed himself and all these people who loved him and cared about him and thought he was this amazing person would be like oh it's so sad that he's dead and so sad and i'm like and then i would be secretly carrying some crazy burden it was just really really fucked up
Well, he was intertwined with the family, and so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because of that, it made it this psychotic loop where you couldn't... Mm-hmm. You, you, you were hurting, but yeah. you, but there was nobody you could go talk to. Yeah. And and he knew that. Oh, and definitely. Yeah. Oh, he's much older. He's much smarter, and, and he could talk his way out of anything. Just, like, even if I had gone to someone, I felt like nobody would believe me, and I would have been some kind of, like, outcast or black sheep for, for saying something. And he would have denied it. He would have made, he would have said I came on to him. It would have been completely horrible. So looking back, I really don't know what I could have done. I was a little kid. You know, I was 14 at the time, you know. How many, um, how many years was the abuse? It was um, about three and a half, four years. I feel like I, I specifically went to a college out of state just to get away from him. And once I went to college, I was like, I forget what I, you know, maybe I blocked it out. But I just finally was like, this has to stop. Like, I can't, like, maybe I finally get my strength. Honestly, it's kind of like a, a bad time in my life. I, I was, you know, denying my sexuality, which, you know, again, I feel like I've, I've known since I was, you know, elementary school. I was, you know, drinking because I didn't know how to deal with it. You know, some self-harm was going on because that's a, that's a big thing with, you know, sexual abuse, self-harm. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I think I've, I don't know, somebody finally was like this, you know, for reasons, again, I can't say as like, this has to stop. And finally I did. You know, I wasn't a kid anymore. He might have lost interest, honestly. You know, some, some pedophiles lose interest when you, you know, you age out of the group and they don't, they don't, you know, they don't want to play with you. They can't control you anymore. So it's not, you know, a turn on for them anymore. So. So when you left, did you feel worried or protective of your younger sister or? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he knew, he knew my little sister and I sort of felt like, well, if he abuses me, maybe he won't hurt her. And I also felt like, shit, I wish I'd turned him in because maybe he would go after her. But I, I felt like if I spent more time with him, he wouldn't go after her. Like, I also felt like, all right, this sucks, but I don't want my sister to go through that either. But I also felt weak for not, you know, standing up to him and, and making something happen. I don't know. I don't know. Because... But he, I don't know, I, in my opinion, I don't think he ever did anything to her, although I would fucking be destroyed if I did. She was much stronger than I was, so I, I don't think, if he had ever tried anything, she had a lot better friend network, and she could talk to my parents, so I don't think he ever went after her. I hope not. <laughs> I'll never forgive myself if he did. If I ever found out he did, we'd have some problems. I might be in jail. <laughs> well, I understand why you went so many years without telling me. I knew that there was some abuse, and I've tried to talk with you on various occasions, but <laughs> and you you were always very specific about any information you would tell me and not tell me. <laughs> yeah. And when you finally were able to share everything with me, I I fucking realized because <laughs> I I would not have been able to be civil to that guy. Yeah. At yeah. every family event. Yeah, it's it's definitely not been easy and you know, I did some therapy and stuff and the VA is pretty good with that. I don't know. It's it's really really tough to to work through. So how do you think that the abuse has impacted how you respond in sexual situations today? Well, I think the impact of it will always have, you know, always resonate with everything, you know, emotionally, physically. When I'm more trusting, it's I can relax more because otherwise I'm not, you know, on guard, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to trying to make sure you're safe and I'm safe. Um, That's always going to be there unless we're with, you know, if we're in a private situation, I'm, I'm more comfortable. 
Um, there's certain things I don't like. I don't love my breast touched. I know, and you you told me that <laughs> you told me that from the beginning. You told me that 14 years ago, and I kind of never really understood why yeah. you didn't love it until. Yeah, that, that's until a real. The past year, I really tie that into him him touching him and and sucking on my breast, and I don't know, it just doesn't. That's one of the big triggers. Other stuff does affect me. Um, for some reason, that one's a big one. It's not that I don't enjoy the sensation. On occasion, it's okay. I can get in that space with different ladies we play with. And, you right. know, um, on occasion, it's just, I don't know, kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit. Not If you ladies have done it, don't worry about it. It's not, it's not a big deal. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> Sometimes I don't mind it. If I, if I let you know, I'll let you know when it's not uh, pleasurable. But there's so many repercussions that come from it, whether it's one time or, you know, multiple, multiple occasions or years or, or decades of abuse. Like, it's, it's just so long lasting. I just wish nobody went through that stuff. And it, we don't want pity from this. We're not looking for that. Don't, you know, that's so sweet of Imran to be. I'm sure some people will be like, I'm so sorry you went through this, whatever. Um, that's really nice of you. And again, I'm, I'm still searching for the why, you know, why we want to sit down and do this. Um, I think maybe a little bit is that going through all this shit and distrusting and feeling uncomfortable with a lot of situations, we still find the swinging lifestyle to be a safe place. And not always, like there's still assholes and there's still people that make mistakes, you know, some people break the rules and, you know, then they, you know, we discuss it and we work through it. That's the exceptions though. I yeah, think, yeah. I think 99% of the time we're very comfortable. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so just to, to let you know that, you know, going through this and then for years and then being comfortable with the people and lifestyle is, I think it's a good testament for, for, for the majority of people that are in it. And, like, we feel comfortable being naked in the back room. Obviously, I'm still always, you know, hypervigilant and very frustrated if someone breaks our rules. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably touching on, like, 10% of all the bullshit that happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've talked about this for so, so, so long, and I, I just don't know. I don't know where I want to go with it because the why. But I think it's good to get off our chest and to talk about, you know, it's compounded with emotional abuse from my parents who always said you're not good enough and you're not smart enough and you went through some of that with um with your ex the one before me yeah so i definitely had some emotional yeah abuse. and i've been my throat hurts from talking and i'm crying a little bit so why don't, why don't you <laughs> chat a little bit and uh <laughs> i'll drink some wine <laughs> honey i want to applaud you for being very open and sharing that Thank that you, was um i know that wasn't very that wasn't easy my all. least favorite podcast no it's okay <laughs> no i'm glad we i'm glad we're talking about it I physically see it manifest, obviously, in our relationship and in how you respond to various situations, but then also in the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So even though, even though the abuse was how many years ago? Oh God! Well, I'm 21, so <laughs> seven years ago now. Oh God, I'm 43, so almost 30. Started almost 30 years ago, I suppose. So, oh, I know when it started. I broke my kneecap in my freshman year of high school. It was 91 then. And I graduated high school at 17, so just in case you're doing the math. They're like, wait, you said you were 14. So, yeah, so I must have been... A little smarty over here. No, no, I just forged some numbers. I hacked into the computer system. <laughs> it was easy in 91 to hack the computer system. <laughs> Turn the computer on. <laughs> hack! <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so many different forms of abuse. and It's not easy to, to rank and say this one's better than or worse than another one. Um, because they have the lasting effects. I know you, like we were saying, you had some, some issues with your, your pre- previous girlfriend. The dark um, ages. Yeah, the dark ages. <laughs> you kind of give me some information about it, but uh, it happens. You know, same-sex couples they have a lot of different abuse. It's, we're not immune to it, and uh, and she she did a little bit of number on you. 
Yes, <laughs> yes, she did. It was definitely a lot of emotional abuse. But let me give, I guess, a little bit of background. I was together with her for almost two and a half years. She was my second girlfriend. <laughs> and our relationship was amazing at certain times and emotionally chaotic at others and very abusive. She had chronic pain in her leg, and as a result, she took pain pills. Um, I believe it was Oxycontin, mostly. Uh Sometimes it was Vicodin. She would take that to control it. Unfortunately, she was one of the many people that sadly got addicted to those pills. Uh I loved her, and so of course I tried to be super super supportive on every level um financially emotionally i tried to help her and and she always promised me over and over that that she wasn't going to abuse it she would get better these were all broken promises Mm -hmm. and it's it's a hard thing when you love someone who's an addict Mm -hmm. and they promise you something and then they disappoint you and then they promise you something and you're like, why am I going to believe you? Because you just mm-hmm. didn't, you just fucking failed your last promise. Mm-hmm. And then they, they spin some story and tell you something and promise how this time is going to be different. Did she try and get help? She did, yes. Okay. Um, some online help. She also went to a therapist that she spoke to. We worked on workbooks together. Mm-hmm. We, did, we did all of this stuff. And... Then I would go to work and I would come home and she'd be drugged up again. And I'd be like, mm. and finally, it was one, one too many broken promises, disappointments, and scary fucking nights. And I couldn't take it and told her that we were done. And then she would say she loves me so much that she can't live without me. And she would threaten to kill herself. <laughs> and I remember one night... Actually, it, th- this happened a few times, but the, but one night is standing out in my mind where I'd be, I would be driving and she was passengering in my car and she would legit, legitimately open the passenger door wow. while I was driving. And there was one time where I guess I had slowed to one of the stoplights because she was, she was doing this shit and she did jump out, but she would always threaten to jump out. Mm-hmm. And I'd be driving, and I'm having one hand on the steering wheel, having mm-hmm. to reach over, trying to close the door so she'd... She's... Yeah. And thinking in my head, oh, my God, I'm going to get pulled over for reckless driving or whatever, yeah. trying to do this shit. And it takes a fucking number on you. Now, did she, like, when she wasn't taking... Or was she always taking the pills? I know we don't talk about her a lot because I, I hate what she put you through. And I, obviously, you know, do you really want to talk about your exes with your current hottie? Did she, was she always like that? Or was she always taking the pills? Was it, was there good time? I mean, inter- intertwined? She was never the, I don't, I don't think she was abusing it when we first met. And like oh. for the first, I want to say year and a half, it wasn't mm-hmm. abuse in that way. And then I don't know what triggered it, what happened, mm. But she would pick up her prescription, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to last her a month. And she would she would be taking probably a week's worth in a day, and she would actually wow. start crushing them up and snorting them and shit mm-hmm. like this. And that she would be doing this when I was at work. Wow. And all I know is I le- legitimately left Chicago and moved back to Florida to get away from her. Like I broke up. I broke up with her. I, I countless times. <laughs> I I don't even know how many times I broke up with her. And somehow she would all she would always tell me something and come 
clawing back in some way. But I mean, part of it was we were living together. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Legitimately, there was a night where I was fucking scared out of my mind. And I called my parents and I was bawling. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm scared for my life. I need mm-hmm. to get away from her. She was, she was crazy. Now, I know this story because you and your parents, because of the relationship you had with her, it had kind of it had harmed your relationship with your parents. But right. when you called them, they were said, "No problem. We're on the next flight." They were they on were a flight amazing. the next day. Yeah, they were amazing. I broke my lease in in Chicago, mm-hmm. and my parents <laughs> uncomfortably helped me pack up pack up everything in the apartment, including like <laughs> sex toys, strap-ons. <laughs> and I I came back to my parents' house, mm-hmm. and my fucking crazy ex. Followed me, followed me from Chicago down to South Florida. Uh, you do have a wonderful pussy. <laughs> I think it was the second or third night that we were hanging out, and mm-hmm. it was at the lesbian bar, and you and I were having just a fucking blast. I think I think I was about to lay on top of the bar and have you do a body shot off of me, mm-hmm. and as we were going up to the bar to order all that, I got a poke a poke in the back of my shoulder, and I turned around. And it was my fucking ex-girlfriend. And thank, oh, I remember. Thank goodness you didn't just run away and like, oh my god, red red flag. There's some fucking lesbian drama. Thank goodness you actually listened to, to the words that came out of my mouth because I legitimately turned around and I was like, what the fuck are you doing here? No, I, I saw it on your face. You were not happy to see her, and I I didn't know much about lesbian relationships. I just got out of the army, so. I saw the look on your face, and I was talking to somebody else that was chatting with us, and I watched you interact with her, and I remember y'all were talking outside, and me and the other chick were like, all right, let's go grab a beer inside and let them talk about it, and you came and apologized. I was like, I was like, it's okay. I was like, you know, if you got stuff going on. I didn't know the you know, lesbian drama term at that point, but that would have been it, but I knew you were mature enough to, you know, not be a part of that. And yeah, we worked past it. She tried to follow us home, and it was it was interesting. <laughs> I think that was the night that she actually slept by my car. Oh, she did. Yeah. Waiting for us to come back. That's how good of a kisser Rachel is. <laughs> oh, you would literally sleep by her car <laughs> to see her in the morning. <laughs> she did. She tried to fight me. I'm like, dude, I gotta fight you. First of all, you're super tiny and strung out on something, and I will crush you. I was like, just leave Rachel alone. Go home. <laughs> but honey, that could have scared you away. But that also gave me so much respect for you that you were well I just didn't know the difference I would have been taken off (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what lesbian drama was I would have been tearing out of that parking lot (laughs) no of course not no I knew I knew the minute I saw you there was something uh uh, something about you when, I, when you stole my seat. Basically, it's because you stole my seat. Uh-oh. Yeah, and that beautiful smile. Maybe that maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah. No, I knew you were something special. I don't know much about lesbian relationships at that point, but I figured, I'll let me hang out and see if there's something going on here. Hmm. <laughs> Thank goodness you did. Hmm. Because... It was crazy. After after that fucked up relationship, I'm telling you, I was so fucking done with women and relationships, and then I met you. <laughs> and you changed everything. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I haven't really been in a lesbian relationship. You're kind of my first, so. Yay, and, Rachel. And only. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, baby. You married your first. I know. I'm lucky. Lucky girl. <laughs> I played around with a few gals, but uh, yeah, I didn't really date that much, you know. Kind of hung out. I really didn't, you know, I dated a guy in the army for a couple of years, great guy, really awesome guy, but just never was what I wanted. 
And like the minute I got out of the army, I was like on the lesbian dating sites. <laughs> I felt so bad. I was still with him, but I was like, just, you know, checking things out because I could, you know, because back then, 2006, you weren't allowed to be out. I don't know. It's just, it, you're the first person I felt comfortable with, like to be myself and to talk about stuff. And I have so much baggage. Like we barely scraped the surface here tonight, but I'm working through it and you helped me work through it. And I think I'm trying to get better. Lifestyles helped us talk more. Do you want to know what? It's so ironic that we have made it. You know what? Because when you met me, obviously you were dealing with the uh, baggage from your sexual abuse. And I was dealing with the baggage from the emotional abuse in my crazy ass (laughs) relationship. Crazy ex-girlfriend. And all of those things bring in a, an immediate feeling of distrust and, Mm -hmm. and protection. Like I Mm -hmm. want to protect my heart. I want to protect myself and this Mm -hmm. and that. And, it's amazing given those circumstances that we met each other and mm-hmm. fell in love and supported each other and did yeah, everything you, you weren't done. even going to go out that night. I might have met some other girl named Trachel <laughs> or Brachel. Mm, you, you'd have been divorced by now. <laughs> yeah. There's no way she would have put out with me. Brachel's a bitch. Trust me. <laughs> she would not sleep by your car. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i don't know i mean this is this is good i think it's good for for just kind of putting some stuff out there um yeah i mean on our podcast oftentimes we talk about fun sexy lifestyle experiences and this is this is totally the oh, other unfun the other, <laughs> totally unfun totally unfun. totally the other side of that you know it this oh this disgusts me so much, but I'll share it with you because it's just you and me, right, Rach? Nobody yes, listening? nobody's right, listening. Sweet, sweet, sweet. I started to type out some things that he did to me the first time when he caught me watching the porno. And if you didn't know that he was somebody who was abusing me, it might come off as something like a sexy, like, it might come off as sexy, like... And as I was typing it out, because, like, I, I wanted to put a few notes down, like, just in my head, because, you know, we do, we do some kind of outlines... And as I was typing, I go, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna share that because it could come across like if you if you didn't know that's what was happening. But in the same vein, I think that for some future podcasts because it was sexy, like if it was with someone who was willing and able and like enjoying it and legal and yeah and most importantly fucking legal consenting, um, it would be really fucking hot. So I'm thinking in future episodes we're gonna get more sexy about like things that we describe with our sexy ladies maybe after this weekend with miss mallory with her permission of course (laughs) (laughs) oh i mean i'm not assuming we're playing we just we just love to see our friends (laughs) (laughs) she did promise us hugs with arms and legs if that's you know that's all i can ask for i'd I'd be delighted just to have hugs me too i honestly at this point i can't wait we expect zero from them and we never would from anyone but uh I'm kind of thinking in the future we're going to be more descriptive on stuff. Because, like, how disgusting is it that I was... The way I was describing the way he touched me was, like, a way that you would describe a sexy thing. Is this what you were describing to your therapist? Um, Or you were writing it? So I was seeing my therapist, and the first time I saw her, like, I I tell her, like... She's like, all right, so I'm here today. And I just start bawling. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, like, uh, you know, I started telling her I was abused for years. And it was a close family friend and this and that. And then, you know, you have to start getting more in-depth. And the more in-depth we started getting, she said, okay, write out the first experience, like when some things first start happening. 
And she goes, and then you have to actually read it to me. Like, I had no problem writing it out. I was bawling while I was writing it out. It'd be like the night before I'd go upstairs in our old condo and I'd, I'd write it out. And then I'd start reading it. She I goes, you do your homework. Yeah, I do I'd my homework. I'd be like, all right, do your homework, honey. Yep. It'd be like a Tuesday night. I'd say, I'm doing my homework. So I'd go write out my journal. And then the next day I'd read it to her. And she goes, you read that like it was, you're reading the, the phone book. She goes, there was no connection. Like, why do you have no connection to these words, to this experience that happened to you? And I looked at her, I said, I have no idea. I said, I'm just. You had a connection when you were writing it. Oh, yeah, when I was writing it. But when I had to read it, it was um, it was really weird. Like, I, I couldn't. It was like a story about another yeah, person. Yeah, somebody else. It was a disconnect. It was a way for me to disconnect and, and say, that didn't happen to me. But it, in another vein, it does seem very, very far away. It's not, it doesn't have a hold on me like it used to, as hard as it used to. It definitely does and always will. Unfortunately, I wish it didn't. I wish it didn't have the grasp on me. And I think I need to see Eve from uh, Spiritual Swingers and get some meditation going on. Oh, <laughs> can we ship her down here for a couple weeks? <laughs> Adam. <laughs> Sapphic scribe, please send Eve post haste. Well, no, Adam is welcome as well. I suppose. But it's been a couple weeks. Somebody's got to, you know, mind, mind the homestead. <laughs> Yes, of course Adam can come too. He's awesome. Meditation sounds very, very nice. <laughs> well, I like when we were talking to um, Swinger Jimmy. On our last podcast. Yes, on our last podcast. He talked about those workbooks. And I, I, I'm not revealing anything. I don't know anything has happened to him in his past, whether something has or has not. I'm not saying that either way. But I feel like the workbooks he mentioned would be pretty good for me. I actually have it in my Amazon cart. Oh. And what, what the workbook is, is PTSD handbook, which basically doesn't refer to PTSD as one specific event, but mm-hmm. as cumulative traumatic events that have happened mm-hmm. during your lifetime. Oh, yeah. And there's been several. I've seen three deployments and that asshole. There's definitely been plenty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even that, the, the bike accident. Yeah, there's just lots. And everyone has like a lot of traumatic stuff. I think it helps, I think, to be able to talk to people. And we're always here for anyone who wants to chat. So I know in the beginning of the episode, you mentioned a certain resource, a a helpline. Is there any other online resources, honey, that you have found? That's one I've I've heard about for years and have kind of leaned towards. But if there's any, please let us know. We're happy to to post about them. If there's something that's helped you. And there's the Post Secret Ice has a a suicide hotline. Because let's face it. Is when Post Secret happens? still around? Oh, Post Secret is very much around. Do you read that all the time? Yeah, I was just reading it before we started podcasting. So Post Secret used to be something that Tiff and I used to read together weekly. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, a couple of years ago we stopped doing it. I didn't know you still read it. Yeah, it's almost at a billion um, visits. So they're, they're one that never accepts money for advertisements. They, they, they do not. They can, yeah. make, they can make billion dollars. Uh, they don't because it's not. It's, they're not for money. They're just here to to share people's secrets. It's kind of doom doom scrolling. I don't know. I'm in that part. Doom scrolling. I don't know if y'all do that with uh, everything that's going on. Just get in this loop of of searching stuff and being on the internet. And just doom doom doom. It's What's depressing. Oh yeah. Oh, it's do, it's doom scrolling. I don't like it. I hate it. I hate right now for a lot of reasons. I love right now because you're here next to me, naked and hot. But I love right now because we get to share some stuff that I didn't think I would be able to share. I kind of maintain kind of well. Usually I, I break down pretty hardcore. Maybe I'm not drunk enough. But <laughs> we hope you got something out of this. Yeah. I know we did. So selfishly, my why was to uh, open up and uh, share with you, with you uh, guys and gals. 
Well, this has definitely been a very deep and <laughs> and not our usual tone for episodes. So we need to end it on a positive note. And one way to do that is with uh, the JL question box. Oh, all right. Let's do it. Let's I want to pull it. out a question. All right, grab the, grab the box. Grab the box. All right, hit it, baby. All right. This one is rated double X. Mm. The question is, have you ever recreated a steamy scene from a film or TV show? Are there any scenes you would like to act out? Ah, uh, well, the second part's super easy. Because I want to act out the scene from Blower Mouth with the strap on. In the, in the restaurant. Well, okay, well, we, we rewatched the movie. It's actually in the parking lot. But, yes, we'd like to recreate it, but in the bathroom where we bang a hot chick. So we have not yet recreated it, but... We have not. Um, you and I did have sex on top of a car, though, in a parking lot. We did. That was... <laughs> oh, my God. That was our first public experience together, I think. We went to China White, which is a club. Was it a club or an event in Las Olas? It was a club. Okay, I don't fucking know. Um, it was some... I guess, Was it an LGBT night? Or yeah, just, it was okay. a lesbian night. It was before we um, moved More in together. Lifestyle. Or lifestyle. Oh, God, it was probably 2006. <laughs> Probably November 2006, December. Um, so we, were, we weren't we were in the same city, so seeing each other was crazy. And we were sitting on a couch, and I couldn't keep my hands off her, so we put a pillow on top of your lap, and I'm fingering you on the on the couch, under the pillow, and then we went by the oh, bar. I remember. Oh, I know, you remember. <laughs> I think the bartender and everybody else within eyesight remembers. So then I fingered you at the bar, and then we fucked on top of the hood of your car. In, mm-hmm. in the parking lot. In the parking lot. In the garage. I'm in sorry. the garage, yeah. Parking garage, parking garage, yeah. I think we were maybe three levels up in the parking garage. Yeah, nobody complained. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure anybody saw it, but nobody complained. <laughs> I think um, it was probably 1 or 2 a.m. Yeah, I wasn't early, that's for sure. Have we ever, have I ever recreated a scene from a movie? I'll have to think about that. I don't know. You've recreated scenes from The Office, not sexual scenes. Uh, I recreate scenes from The Office daily. <laughs> None of them are sexual. <laughs> Just because I We have never office. done one together. Crap, I don't know. We have to get back to you on that one. So it's a no. <laughs> it's a I don't know right now. I don't want to lie and say no. I, I, I could have done one. But we will need to do one. We would need uh, to do Below Her Mouth. Yes, 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 yes. I'm sure we've done something. I'm sure we've seen like a scene where we do like a some kind of scissoring or. Oh, and we also have a challenge that's coming up from a movie. Yeah. Which we, we will talk about on a later on a later episode. Good call. Maybe in two weeks we'll do that one. Yes. Yes. Uh, duck butter. Duck butter challenge. We'll see. We'll be posting a lot of stuff if we're gonna do it. And we have to get permissions from the producers. <laughs> I don't know if we're violating any kind of rules. Can we promote it? <laughs> we'll find out. Just watch the movie Duck Butter and just know that us. <laughs> the DB Challenge. DB Duck Butter Challenge. All right, guys and gals. Oh, I know it was a bit of a weird one to get through, but thanks for listening. If you did, if not, you're dead to me. Just kidding. Uh, if you want to find us, go to uh, sapphicswingers.blogspot.com or you can check us out. Uh, Cassidy SDC or Gmail and Twitter, Sapphic Swingers.